Are you inspired by your life? Welcome to Inspiring Leaders, the podcast that shares ideas, perspectives, and best practices from great leaders around the world to help you become a more inspired leader. Hello and welcome back to the Inspiring Leaders podcast. I'm your host and executive coach, Terry Lepofsky, and on today's show, We're going to see if we can help raise the bar by helping you polish the language of your leadership. And we might even throw in a special topic for Father's Day. Our guest today is an award-winning CEO of one of the world's largest family-owned software companies. He's led teams in three languages with executives in over 40 countries. These days, Krister Ungerbrock is an accomplished keynote speaker and author sharing the secrets that he and his team used to win five consecutive top workplace awards and achieve the unheard of employee engagement level of 99.3%. He's an achiever. And today we're here to talk to this brilliant business leader about his upcoming book, The Language of Leadership, Words to Transform How We Lead, Live, and Love. Welcome to Inspiring Leaders, Krister Ungerbach. Hi there. It's great to be here, especially, you know, just weeks in advance of Father's Day. Why don't we start off the way that we usually do with our guests? Who or what inspires you? Who or what inspires me? Let me answer that question with a story. About three years ago, I say that my most profound leadership insights did not come while I was CEO of one of the largest family-owned software companies in the world. They came shortly after I found myself at the YMCA signing up for a gym membership. And the woman was typing my responses into her computer, and she asked me the question that changed my life. She asked me, who is your emergency contact? And in that moment, I broke down because in that moment, I didn't have an emergency contact. Wow. Shortly before that, I initiated a painful business divorce from my business partners who happened to be my family members. Yeah. In order partly because I wanted to focus more on my marriage. After that, my wife walked out on me. Wow. And so there I was signing up for a gym membership, 100 pounds overweight, and I didn't have an emergency contact. And I kind of look back on my life and I've been reading business books since I was 12 years old, trying to master the tools of business leadership. And I sat there just thinking, well, clearly, where did I go wrong? Mm -hmm. And I went on this journey exploring pretty much everywhere except the business press, secrets to leadership. That was what brought me to discovering what I tend to talk about, the language of leadership. Days after that day at the YMCA, I had a CEO coach. He asked me the question, are you inspired by your life? And this question haunted me. Yeah, what a great question. So three years after it, the longest run I'd ever done was a 10K, and I finished second to last. And I decided that I was going to do an ultra marathon. And one mile before the finish line, I came up on a guy, and we were talking, and coincidentally, his name was Miles. The last thing you want is another Miles when you're running an ultra marathon <laughs> for the first time. Right. It was his first ultra marathon as well. And we were pretty much towards the back of the pack, as to be expected. My goal was not to finish first. It was just to finish. We shared stories. And he asked me the question. He said, so Christopher, if I had seen you two months ago and said, two months from now, you are going to finish an ultra marathon, what would you have said? 
I said, you know what? I would be dying to meet that version of me. And he said, Christopher, you know what happens when you become the version of you that you've been dying to meet? He said, other people will be dying to meet that version of you too. It was really kind of the ending of that question, are you inspired by your life? And for that moment, that was the first time that I would have been able to say yes to that question in my entire life. I'm not going to say the answer to your question is that I'm inspired by myself. That would be a little bit too narcissistic. <laughs> but that was really a turning point in my life. And, and the interesting thing for your listeners, what's the version of you that your spouse would be dying to meet, or your children would be dying to meet, or your employees would be dying to meet? And you may only be two months away from becoming that person. I realized in that moment that I had finally answered that question that had haunted me for three years. Wow, talk about a powerful question. I'm just going to stop and just encourage every single listener just to think about that for themselves. It's a scary question. Are you inspired by your own life? People have so much potential, and most of it is untapped and unexplored. And I think that what you've just done is highlighted something that we can all use we can all leverage to try to make ourselves even better than we are now. One of the things that gets to, and I talk about this in leadership, is we think that often as leaders, if I ask a question of someone that I need to hear the answer. So when I look back on that, are you inspired by your life question, I call it a question that echoes because it echoed in my mind for three years. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing coming back to more of a business leadership is if I sit in front of a top performer and I ask them, what are you planning to do? You can see them, their eyes look up and they kind of come up with the idea of what they're going to do. Unless they need approval from me in order to take that action, I really don't even need to hear what their answer is because they've already got the answer. I can follow up the question on a scale of one to 10, how confident are you that you have the answer to this solution and what you need to do next? And if they say nine, I can pretty much save my time and save their time and say, well, it sounds like our conversation is over now. Why don't you go do it and come back and show me what you've done? That's a fantastic way to approach it. Listen, let's zero in on this topic. You've got a book that's coming out, The Language of Leadership. Yeah. So for starters, I want to ask you this. This employee engagement level that you had with your team, 99.3, that's not a typo, is it? (laughs) No. (laughs) Right now, that right there is completely mind-blowing, especially when we consider that the average employee engagement level in the U.S. is only about 33-34%. Is this a result of the language of leadership that we're talking about today? I think in large part it was. Admittedly, I don't know if it was necessarily that I was practicing the language of leadership at the time. We were doing a lot of things right. I think a lot of the team around me, below me, probably was more. And It was really the journey after that business divorce at the YMCA that I really was able to break it down to something that others can follow, including myself. So, you know, they say people don't leave jobs, they leave bosses. Naturally, when we had 99.3% employee engagement, so it turns out that it was actually one person who responded to the survey was that 0.7%. We asked them, would you like to be employed by this organization 12 months from today? And The answers are strongly disagree, disagree, strongly agree, whatever. And 99.3% of our employees agreed with that statement. I was as shocked as anyone that the numbers came out. Well, so who's the boss of the one person who didn't agree with that statement? And I was the boss of that person. Ah. 
it was really a long journey to discover this language of leadership and more so to be able to put it in a way to shortcut. It took me probably 10 years to really start to practice it. Yeah. So I did a 360 survey. I'd never done a 360 survey. It was part of a leadership course. And I remember sitting in the audience and the instructor who had been studying leadership for 60 years doing these 360 surveys. He was in his 80s and maybe it was 50 or 40 <laughs> years. But anyway, he had hundreds of thousands of data points about leaders in the eyes of their employees. And he was revealing the results and I got my score. I was 199 out of 200, to which I'm like, yeah, who's the leader, right? Wow. And then he said, you know, if your score is over 180, that's not a good thing. Really? Okay. And you can't get a score of 200. So I was 199. Basically, I pinned the scale at the worst you could be on this particular dimension. Yeah. And what it was, it was around feedback. Yeah. What I learned in that moment was that I was the leader who basically, no matter how good of a job, my employees were saying, nothing is ever good enough. Right. Frankly, never, almost never. I mean, I could count on one hand the number of times I would give people positive feedback over the course of a year. Here, it's really powerful. And this is really what was the impetus or the inspiration behind the language of leadership. And I was in a room of about 100, 200 leaders and sitting in the back. This guy was kind of a psychologist slash leadership guy. And he said, here's what we can tell you based upon your scores is that you were probably raised in an environment where one or both of your parents were hypercritical. I was in the back and there were a lot of people unconsciously nodding in agreement. So I'm sitting there thinking, wow, this guy did an anonymous 360 survey to my employees and he's telling me how I was parented as a child. Wow. Yeah. That's some. I mean, clearly I'm not the only person because there are tens of other people in the room that are nodding in agreement that they were clearly in the same position that I was. Yeah. And then he said, here's the thing. He said, you know, not only that, we can tell you that if you don't fix this and work to this, you're also going to be parenting your children in the same way. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I had really young children, two, three years old. And I was like, oh, maybe I really need to work on this. And so yeah. the language of leadership, kind of where this ties in is I say it's, it's a unified language of leadership that crosses over both at work and at home that drives increased connection, commitment, and growth. Connection means one thing in a romantic relationship in a marriage. It means another thing in a relationship with a child or a parent. And it means a different thing in a work context. Commitment, that's employee engagement, loyalty. Obviously, commitment means a different thing in terms of marriage. What I struggled with is that I had kind of developed this one language of leadership that I used at work. I had a fortunate opportunity in 2001 to move to Europe and start businesses in France and Germany. So I had to learn to lead in languages that were not my native language. Yeah. And the interesting thing about that is if you want to learn a new language, you practice it everywhere. Yeah. I compartmentalize thinking, well, I'm going to talk this one way at work and a different way at home. And unconsciously, what I realized later, I wasn't nearly as compartmentalized as I thought. But a good example of this is the difference between like delegation. If you've ever tried to delegate to your spouse or to your teenage child, you know, you know, pretty good luck with that, right? Probably not going to work out for you very well. Love that. In the language of leadership, I talk about the language of requests. Ah. Requests is a broader language. It can work both at work and at home. Yeah. The way I discovered this language was really by putting all the business bestsellers aside. I was in some strange rooms with some really new age people 
really like pushing myself out of my comfort zone to things that I previously would have judged as weird. Always had my CEO hat on saying, okay, well, how could I translate this into something that actually works in a business context? So I found a lot of books written by people that never became bestsellers and really incredible thought leaders. But what was happening is that their language of how they talked about things get in the way. People would talk about love yourself and love your neighbor. It just sounded too woo-woo. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. This thought, the language of leadership, by speaking differently, not only can we become better bosses, but we can become better spouses and better parents in the process. Words matter. I've heard you say that before. I agree so wholeheartedly. So it does cross boundaries. It crosses between the professional realm, the family realm, our social circles as well. And I think that you're really on to something magical here because I've heard people with fantastic messages, but they just don't deliver it in quite the right way. I was giving a talk to about 10 women's CEOs last night. And they said, when is your book coming out? And I said, well, it's probably going to be a while. The traditional publishing industry takes some time to get books on bookstore shelves. Yeah. At the end of the presentation, she teared up and she said, this message needs to get out sooner. Yeah. Another person in the audience said, it's like Brene Brown translated into a business context and something that really also men can get behind. I'm a big fan of Brene Brown, yet when I talk to male leaders, it doesn't resonate as well with male leaders as it does with female leaders. Krister, I'm going to say this for the record. I think by the time your book, The Language of Leadership, comes out, it's going to hit best-selling for sure. This is a topic that so many people want to know about. So many people out there are tripping over their words, tripping over their message, and want a little bit of best practice. They want somebody who's dove into the deep end on this topic, figured it out, and has something positive to relate. And you have a great way of doing it. I've watched the videos that you've put out. I've seen your presentations. You've inspired me. Look, folks, look at that question that we asked at the outset. Are you inspired by your own life? Yeah. It's short, concise, and it moves people. Mark my words, when this book hits the shelves, it's going to be flying off the shelves. Well, one of the things, given that the book is going to take some time, I am releasing content on the website from the book kind of in advance of the launch. A lot of it's going to be video-based content. So there's a number of challenges in the book. The Leader's Creed, which we're going to get to in a moment, is one of those. Certainly before Father's Day this year, I will have the first video. There's about 10 challenges in the book. Some of them are really difficult. People are going to be like, I, I don't think I can have that conversation. <laughs> and my intention with the videos is to give people a tool where they can listen to the video before they have the conversation. I can give a little bit of guidance of how to start the conversation. And in some of these challenges, there will actually be a video that you could watch with that person, whether it's an employee or a boss or a spouse or a child, where I'll actually kind of help talk you through having some of these leadership challenges. And when I say leadership, I use it in a professional or personal context interchangeably. Yeah. The big L leadership, not necessarily in the boardroom, but in life. Yeah. You mentioned the leader's creed. We've been tapping into this one a little bit since we started Father's Day, the Leader's Creed. Expand on this one for me, if you will. I believe one of the most powerful things that any leader can do, and do it on an ongoing basis, is a, an anonymous 360 to uncover our blind spots. Oh, yeah. And it was certainly a turning point in my career. I think any time a leader has a major change in responsibility, 
either their responsibility or the people they work with is a good time, say three to six months after that transition happens, to do a 360 and see what are my blind spots. To do a 360 the right way sometimes takes a bit of preparation, can sometimes cost a bit of money. So that's not always within financial reach of all organizations. I think the right kind of 360s really have confidential interviews. The Leader's Creed was kind of a short way to get to the same things without having to go through the effort of doing a full 360. Right. So what it is, is it's a list of statements. These will be available on my website at Krister.com, uh, Krister with a K. You read each statement, whether it's with an employee, you sit down and you say, I'm going to read each statement. And after that, each statement, I'm going to ask you on a scale of one to 10, how am I doing on this? Let's say they say, oh, you're a seven on that. Then the follow-up question is the most important one, which is, what do you suggest that I start doing or stop doing in order to get better in this area? Right. Very powerful. Yeah. So the leader's creed starts with statements like, I express my anger appropriately. On a scale of one to 10, how am I doing on this? Yeah. What can I start doing or stop doing in order to get better? I am interested in your success. My words build you up rather than tear you down. If I had done this 10 or 15 years ago, people would have been like, one, one, one. <laughs> Your words tear me down. They always tear me down. Yeah, yeah. So the interesting thing was the first time that I did the Leader's Creed, I might actually get a little bit choked up when I talk about this. It actually wasn't called the Leader's Creed. It was called the Father's Creed. Oh, wow. Because I did it with my son on Father's Day about two years ago. Oh, you're kidding. The interesting thing is that most of the statements between the Leader's Creed and the Father's Creed are exactly the same. Mm -hmm. I express my anger appropriately. I am interested in your success. I appreciate and acknowledge you. My words build you up. They don't tear you down. I apologize when I make mistakes. When I talk about a unified language of leadership, you could say those to an employee. You could say those to a coworker. You could say them to a spouse. You could say them to a child on Father's Day. One of them, which is a bit more around the Father's Creed and on the Leader's Creed, I seek out your interests and I make them mine. Wow. My son said on a scale of one to ten, he said, you're about a seven. I said, well, hey, buddy, like, what's the difference between a seven and a nine for you? He said, well, I don't know if you need to be a nine because you need to have some of your own interests. And I was like, wow. It's incredible what a seven or eight-year-old can say. So imagine if you went through this exercise with your child, or if your parent went through this exercise with you every year on Father's Day, how would that have transformed your relationship with your parents, or with your boss, or with your employees, or with your spouse? That ultimately is the Father's Creed. You can change the title. I've got one on the website called the Mother's Creed. It works equally well. Yeah. When I did this Father's Creed with my son, I said that my wife walked out on me. And so at the time, I was divorced. Yeah. And the first statement was, I behave in a kind and loving manner towards your mother. So imagine this still applies if you're divorced. Yeah. The way fathers treat mothers and the way mothers treat fathers, regardless of whether they're married or not, becomes the template, the default setting of course. for how children will treat their spouses in a marriage. Yes. And also the kind of treatment that they would be willing to accept. So yeah. if I treat my daughter's mother in a certain way. If I'm critical or mean or 
whatever to her mother, then that's the default setting of what she's going to be willing to accept in her future relationships with men. Yes. There have been a couple hundred people who have read the beta versions of the book, and many have said that it's transformed their relationship with their kids, but it's also transformed their relationship with their husbands, wives, or ex-husbands and wives. Yes. One woman said, you know what? I want to be a better ex-wife after reading this Mother's Creed. Incredible. There you have it, folks. We are not just a leadership show, but we are actually doing life coaching right here on the Inspiring Leaders. Oh, please don't. No, don't call me a life. No, 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 no. Hey, I got to ask you this. We ask these two questions to every guest on the show, and I'd like to ask these of you, especially this one. Is there any advice that you can offer today's leaders? You know, my biggest advice to today's leaders would be not to give advice. Really? Okay, good. I like that. Nobody wants to receive advice. Yeah. I found that that was probably one of the most difficult things for me to overcome as a leader. In the book, I call it the language of expertise. Language of expertise is the language of giving answers. Yeah. It's the language of giving advice. The language of expertise is seductive to two types of people. One, ourselves, because we love giving advice and we love solving people's problems. It makes us feel better about ourselves. It's also really seductive to the employees that want to shut off at 5 p.m. and not think about work till 9 a.m. the next day. Mm -hmm. Most likely the kinds of employees that you don't want to have. But there's one group of employees that it's not so exciting, and that's the top performers. Yeah. The people who didn't want to copy the answers to the tests from the people sitting next to them. Yeah. Letting people come up with their own answers and asking better questions, I've found that the simplest way in learning the language of leadership The simplest way to ask better questions is make sure every question you ask starts with the word what or how. Oh, I love it. If you ask every question starting with what or how, it's it's much easier to ask more powerful questions. Yeah, no, I love that. And I love your advice, not going out there giving advice. It's so much better to pull the potential out of people rather than ramming information down on them. Okay, here's my last question for you, Krister. What does inspired leadership mean to you? And I'm really looking forward to your answer. I call it the difference between leadership and inspiring followership. Mm -hmm. Anyone can call themselves a leader, but a much higher bar than leadership is whether my people are inspired to follow me. Yes. And that's really like judging leadership in the eyes of the people who are being led. I had a story when I opened our business in Germany where we were looking at acquiring a competitor. It was either, are we going to acquire the competitor or we could just hire their best people away and just let them go into bankruptcy, which is what was already happening. And there was a woman, she was telling me about how her company had missed her paycheck two or three times. Yeah. And she was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay my mortgage or my rent or whatever. And it really haunted me. Would your people follow you if you missed a paycheck? Maybe the people who can't go find a job elsewhere would, and maybe the medium ones, but would the best people, the ones who can go find a job, They've already got headhunters emailing on LinkedIn every week. Would they continue to follow you if they didn't get a paycheck for a week? It's a different bar of what it takes to be a leader. It makes you really sit back and think, well, what have I been doing to my people? Or how have I been supporting them? Have I been there for them? Have I set the stage for their success? Yeah. This is powerful stuff. Absolutely powerful, Krista. I appreciate this so much. Well, there you have it, gang. Another highly compelling guest to help you become an even more inspiring leader. Krister Ungerbach, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your perspectives and your advice. That was absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much for the invitation. I'm going to put links to your website in the show notes. 
also links to your upcoming book, The Language of Leadership. And if you haven't found anybody yet, Krister, I'll be your emergency contact, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. A huge thanks to all of our listeners out there. You guys are the reason that we search the globe for awesome guests like Krister. It's all part of our quest to make inspired leadership ubiquitous. Check back with us again, and we'll welcome more great guests to cover more ground and help you become a more inspiring leader. Take care, everybody. Be well, and bye for now. (laughs) 